an inquisitive mind. Uh, I have always believed in God, even as a small child, I can remember that. And uh, so whenever I had questions about uh, things like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, which is called cryptozoology, strange creatures that scientists say don't exist, and yet people are saying that they've seen them, they exist. So questions about that. Uh, questions about UFOs. Well, I remember when I was a boy, uh, there was a show that Jack Webb, if you remember him, he did Dragnet. He was the producer of Emergency, and he made a bunch of TV shows back in the 60s and 70s. And he tried a show called Project UFO, and it was based upon some of the findings that an Air Force study that was commissioned called Project Blue Book. Who's ever heard of Project Blue Book? Okay, it was, the, it was basically the Air Force's way of getting everybody to shut up and quit calling them every time they saw a UFO. Because every time somebody would see a UFO, they'd call the local Air Force base. They'd call the Air Force and say, hey, we're seeing UFOs out here. You guys got stuff flying out here? Are you chasing them? Uh, what in the world's going on? So they commissioned a study called Project, first of all, it was called Project Grudge. And it was called Project Grudge because nobody wanted to do it. So finally ended up with the Air Force. They were the most qualified. They started this Project uh, Blue Book. They hired a guy by the name of J. Allen Hynek, who was a uh, astrophysicist. And he did not believe in unidentified flight. He did not believe that they were ships from outer space. He did not believe that they were uh, piloted by aliens from some strange planet somewhere. He did not believe in anything like that until he got into the study. Once he got into investigating some of the more serious cases, and I'm talking about uh, UFO events where you had hundreds of people in the same area seeing the exact same thing and in many cases, them leaving some form of evidence, like a place where the thing landed, or there were photographs, or there was films, or whatever. And as he began to investigate them, and he was getting pressure from the higher-ups in the Air Force, they were forcing him to lie and make up strange reasons why these things were not really uh, ships from outer space piloted by aliens from another planet. Uh, the phrase swamp gas was invented by J. Allen Hynek. And he basically did it to cover up a legitimate massive UFO sighting because he was ordered to do that. And by the time he got to the end of Project Blue Book and they were going to shut it down, he then came out and said, I'm a believer that these things are real, number one. They're not hallucinations. They're not swamp gas. They're not um, uh, the mass hallucinations, people on LSD. It's not anything like that. We are being visited by something from somewhere, but he, didn't, he wasn't sure then. J. Allen Hynek, if you've ever seen the movie uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, Steven Spielberg, who made that movie, gave J. Allen Hynek about a, oh, no, about a 10-second 
uh, cameo in that movie where the aliens finally come down and land in the mothership and you see J. Allen Hynek come up and he's scratching his beard like he's a scholar and he's putting his pipe in his mouth, you know, and that's, that's his uh, 10 seconds of fame. Uh, but anyway, um, I have always had a curious mind about all of these things and when I first started watching uh, these, this show on television, then I started watching, you know, UFO movies and scary movies and things like that. That's just where my mind was. I would go to the library at school and I would check out books on UFOs, books on paranormal things and so on. And um, so when God called me uh, in 97 to study Bible prophecy, uh, I knew that UFOs would eventually be part of that study. And so I believe in two things. Number one, I believe that the, um, the, the UFO thing, phenomenon, is real. It's real. And I'll try to present evidence this week. If you don't believe or you're not convinced or you may have questions, I'm going to try to show you on one hand there is evidence out there and it's believable evidence. Then I'm going to try to show you along with that the Bible's answer to that, because if they're real, then they are created by the same God that created you and I. John chapter 1 says that Jesus created everything that is, and there was nothing that exists that was not made by Jesus Christ. So if there are UFOs, if there are uh, ships from, I'll say, another dimension, if there are ships and beings from that other dimension, then they were made by God. God has a purpose for their being here and what they're doing. And that purpose is going to be known from the pages of the Bible. Turn your Bible, if you have a Bible, or if you don't, I'll just read it to you. Turn it to um, Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to give you the basis for what I believe uh, is going on. We have um, uh, the PowerPoint there on both sides, and I can just barely see that. Uh, but uh, we'll try to do our best here. Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, many of you, if you know the Bible, then you know what this uh, passage says. And starting in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles of the devil is like wily coyote from uh, Bugs Bunny. He's a very sneaky devil. The Bible says he was more subtle than any beast of the field. So that means that he always operates in secret. And everything that he does, he does in secret. He never, ever, ever reveals his real plan. Fortunately, we have a Bible that does that for us. It reveals what it is that he is trying to conceal. So that we stand against the wiles of the devil. And in verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood... So let me just suggest to you that the entities that are related to these unidentified flying objects, the Pentagon and Congress is wanting us to use UAP, unknown aerial phenomenon, 
either one of them works because we don't know exactly what they are. Science doesn't know what they are. The Pentagon doesn't know what they are. The Air Force doesn't know. Congress doesn't know. And I, I would say that there's probably not very many people in this world at all that would know what they are simply because of their relation to Satan's plan to not only take over earth, but to take over heaven as well. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Principalities is a type of devil that is known as a prince in the Bible. If you remember in the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel prayed to God and sent his prayer to God. God dispatched Gabriel, the angel, the messenger, to deliver the answer to God's prayer. But Gabriel was held back for 21 days by what the Bible calls the prince of the people of Persia. Now, he wasn't talking about the king of Persia. He was talking about a devil principality that stood against Gabriel, would not let him pass for 21 days, not until Michael, the archangel, came and fought for him and allowed Gabriel to go through. So we have, and I believe that there are principality devils over areas of this world. I believe there's a principality spirit over Washington, D.C., I believe there's a principality spirit over New York City, New York. I believe that I'm from Missouri, so I believe there is a principality spirit over St. Louis, over Kansas City, over the little town that I'm from called Festus. I believe there is a principality spirit that is over Lafayette, Indiana. And there are devils that are underneath this prince that do what he wants to do. Principalities and powers goes along with the same line against the rulers. Now we have another term that deals with authority, the rulers of the darkness of this world. Think about the darkness of this world. People that do not know the light of God, people who do not believe the light of God, the Bible, people who do not share in the light of God, they walk in darkness. And there are spirits that are over them, and people like to think that they're just living their life, doing whatever they want to do, but the truth of it is, they're being guided by devils. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 tells us that the prince of the power of the air is the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience. So all of the people who do not live their life for God are not being led by God's Spirit, do not believe in the truthfulness of God's Word. They actually have a spirit in them called the prince of the power of the air. We believe that's Satan, and he controls them. Then we have um, spiritual wickedness in high places. There's two ways to see that. Number one, spiritual wickedness in places on earth where there is a high level of authority. Think of Washington, D.C. Think of the Vatican. Think of uh, uh, banking, uh, banking uh, conglomerates. Think of big businesses. There is, there is a spiritual wickedness that is working in those groups. But also the phrase um, high places represents the heavens that are above us. We have the first heaven, which is the, uh, the sky above us. We have the second heaven, which is the universe, the expanse of outer space, we would call it. And of course, the third heaven is where uh, Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 12, where he saw or he had a friend 
that was uh, taken up into that third heaven and saw things and heard things that it's not lawful for man to utter. So we, we have the three heavens there outlined for us in Scripture. So these are the four groups that are in charge of every evil thing that goes on. They are responsible for every lie. They are responsible for every secret and every cover-up. Now, um, let me ask you this question, and you can, and here's what I'm going to ask you. We're going to do this uh, in sort of a free-form way. If I'm talking and all of a sudden you think of a question and you would like that question answered, just raise your hand at any time I'm talking, I will stop, I will answer your question, or I will at least acknowledge your question if I can't answer your question, okay? So, to get this out of the way, number one, who has any questions so far before we even get started? Any questions? Anybody say, uh, Pastor Mike, what are these strange things in the sky? Pastor Mike, have you ever seen one? Uh, Pastor Mike, have you ever been abducted? Anything like that. If you want to know anything like that, all you have to do is raise your hand and you, and you ask. All right? Now, let me ask this question. Has anybody here ever seen what they think is an unknown aerial phenomenon? And a UAP a UFO, unidentified flying object. Anybody ever seen one and would admit to it? Yes. You've seen two. Is that where you met your husband on the second one? No? Okay. So you saw something you can't identify. It doesn't have wings. It doesn't have jets, doesn't have propellers, has no real known method of propulsion, and yet it's up in the sky, and you have no idea where it came from, what it's doing, or what it is. Is that what you're saying? Okay, very good. Um, who in here knows somebody that has seen one? There you go. That event that happened in that person's life is called a paradigm shift. It's called a change in consciousness. Okay? So, in other words, they were a staunch non-believer. They, they said, everybody's making this up or everybody's hallucinating, everybody's on drugs or whatever. Now, he believes. And it, all it took was one sighting. Okay, that's all it took was one event, one sighting, and now he believes. Now, he may not be getting on uh, street corners with a megaphone and hollering at everybody, hey, I believe in UFOs. He may not be doing that, but at least his mind is changed. Let me, let me suggest something to you. Right now, if you were to take a poll of the entire world and get them to ask or answer the question publicly, do you believe in UFOs, I think most people would say no publicly. But I believe that we are headed toward an event that's going to take place that is prophesied in the Bible. And on that day, everybody who doesn't believe in UFOs, 
beings from some other, um, some other realm of reality or whatever, people on that day are going to believe and they're going to believe in it instantly. The Bible calls it 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the strong delusion. And on that day, God is going to allow everybody who has rejected the word of God and rejected the gospel, God is going to allow them on that day to believe in something that is a, it, and I'll say it this way, there is no bigger secret, nor is there any bigger lie that can be or ever has been told that is bigger than what I'm presenting to you this week. Nothing is bigger than this, okay? Uh, I have up on the screen here, uh, I'll, I'll very quickly go through these names. Gordon Cooper, uh, he was one of the original Mercury 7 astronauts. Deke Slayton, he was uh, Project Gemini. Uh, Robert White, Ed White, James McDivitt, Jim Lovell. Jim Lovell was Apollo 8, and he was the guy that was played by Tom Hanks in Apollo 13. He saw, the, all of these astronauts saw UFOs. Frank Borman, he's, he was, uh, I think it was on the moon, Scott Carpenter, one of the, um, it was either Mercury 7 or the Gemini astronauts. Uh, these men all saw uh, a UFO. This is astronaut Edgar Mitchell. He always liked to, he's now dead now, but he always liked to sign his name on the bottom of any letter that he wrote. Uh, Edgar Mitchell, uh, six man to walk on the moon. And Edgar Mitchell had this to say, there have been craft that have been recovered. Now this is a NASA astronaut who is revealing things that NASA doesn't necessarily at that time want revealed. They are changing, but at that time they did not want this revealed. There have been craft that have been recovered. This is a man who is a scientist, a PhD, an extremely intelligent man trained observer, trained to know what he's looking at when he's looking through the sky or looking at a telescope or whatever it is. This man's walked on the moon, navigated to the moon and navigated successfully his way back home. And he says there has been a certain amount of reverse engineering that has allowed some of these craft or some components to be duplicated, and there are those who are utilizing some of this equipment in certain ways, and perhaps a large part of the activity that's classified as UFO activity may very well be, may very well not be due to ET activity at all. What he's saying here is, is that he firmly believes that they have reverse engineered certain parts of these craft that have been recovered and there are things that people see in the sky that may not be the what we call the alien related UFO it may very well be a very super secret special access program this is where money goes to from the United States government coffers that nobody gets to know where it goes, what it's spent on, and you'll never know in this lifetime how much money was spent on this. But 
you, pe people have seen things that they thought may be something from outer space, and it wasn't that at all. It was something that we have that we're flying or that we're testing in the sky, and we don't want, we definitely don't want the Russians to know, the Chinese to know, the North Koreans to know. We don't want Hamas to know these things. We don't want people to know what it is that we have and what we can do. Uh, he says, if there are ETs at all, he said, I do not see anything that suggests really malevolent intent or hostile intent. Uh, my wife and I, we started attending uh, the Mutual UFO Network. They're an investigative uh, entity. They investigate UFO sightings around the country and in some cases around the world. And they have a symposium every year where they have speakers and they give out whatever information they have on UFOs. And um, uh, their, their theme this past year was uh, UFOs, friend or foe. Most of the speakers there see the UFO um, pilots, you would call them, or whatever entities are associated with those UFOs. They would see them as being benevolent to this world. In other words, they firmly believe that one of these days they're going to come down, they're going to make themselves known here on this earth, and they're going to bring the earth into a new age. Uh, you've, you've heard of the phrase new age. They're going to bring the earth into a, a new age of enlightenment. They're going to change the paradigm of the way everybody thinks. They're going to raise man's consciousness in order to accept their presence here on this earth. They're going to give man technology that is going to allow him to have free energy, that is going to allow man the possibility to fly from this earth to a distant galaxy, not just a distant planet or a distant solar system, but a distant galaxy in very little time at all. They believe that these entities are coming here to make man a better species. If you've heard of evolution, which I'm sure you have, there are people who believe, and lots of people who believe, that mankind is on the very precipice of his next major evolutionary change. That the next step that we make as a species is going to be man going from mortal to immortal, which means man who now is under the curse of death to be brought out of the curse of death and live forever. That's what a majority of these people believe. There was a, I mentioned people who believe in UFOs versus people that don't. There was a poll done a couple of years ago and I think they polled a lot of college-age students and so on, and they asked them uh, what they believe in the most. Do they believe in God or do they believe in UFOs? And they found out that most of the people that they polled believe more in UFOs and aliens than do believe in God. In other words, a belief in God has taken a nosedive and something has now risen up to replace a belief in God 
in these people's minds. So Mitchell went on to say there is a smoke, there is smoking gun evidence that has not or cannot be brought forward at this point. Smoking gun means there's actually evidence that will prove that these things are real and that we have been visited. Astronaut Gordon Cooper, again, he was, uh, I think, Mercury 7, Gemini, um, uh, NASA Gemini program. He said the ETs are the same as we are, just a little higher, and I think he means like higher in their level of thinking, uh, a, a little farther, a little faster, and they can come and land in my backyard. Anytime they want to come and land in my backyard, I'd welcome them. So Gordon Cooper, he's now dead. But Gordon Cooper believed that when these people come, that they were going to come and be our friends. Uh, this is Dr. Herman Olberth. He was working with um, the project, uh, uh, the Operation Paperclip, where the CIA imported all these scientists from Nazi Germany to come work on our missile program, to come work on our atomic program. And here's what he said. He said, we have been helped. Now, this, he was a German scientist working for Hitler. And he said, while we were working for Hitler, we have been helped by people from outer space. He worked with Werner von Braun, as you know, who, who basically created the missile program in the United States of America. Now... Uh, General Douglas MacArthur said the nations of the world will have to unite for the next war will be an interplanetary war. The nations of the earth must someday make a common front against an attack by people from other planets. Douglas MacArthur said that. Um, if you remember back in 2017, the New York Times ran a series of articles talking about, and, and for the very first time, the New York Times is actually writing articles about UFOs. I remember in my younger years, whenever I wanted to find out stories about UFOs and current stories about UFOs, I had to go to the National Enquirer to get stories about UFOs because the New York Times would never touch them. Now. 2017, New York Times does an investigative report and it focuses on and discovers that there is an actual Pentagon program called ATIP, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. It basically means that uh, the Pentagon believed and probably still does that the majority of these UFO sightings that are real and are true represent not a benefit to America and its defense, but a threat to America. Um, they allocated $22 million over five years. The program allegedly still operates, but I think it's been pulled in by another program. That is when the Pentagon released these three videos. If you remember, how many of you have seen these? The Tic Tac, the Gimbal, and uh, what's called the Go Fast. These, this, these video clips are actual videos from naval jets 
I mean, these things cost millions of dollars. We have some of the best, uh, most, most advanced uh, video on, on the planet in our fighter jets. And we have three situations, three different times when our uh, top flight um, Air Force guys or, or Navy, Navy flyers chasing these things down, filming them. And what's funny is you have people like um, Michio Kaku and some of these other scientists that show up on TV all the time. They tried to come up with some reason why these weren't UFOs, why these weren't real flying machines. They said that, uh, oh, if you, if you tighten in and, and kind of refocus the video a little bit, you'll see that it's a jet plane, you'll see wings on it, you'll see propellers on it, you'll see all kinds of things. But the truth of it is, this is some of the best video that we've ever had, or as far as been, what's been released by our government, and they are genuine uh, the, the guys that recorded them say they were real UFOs. They were doing things that none of our jets could do. The program was run by a, a fellow by the name of Lou Elizondo. Uh, he reported and gave a talk a couple of years ago on what these ships could do. They were focusing on lift, propulsion, control, power generations, uh, spatial, temporal translation, um, Signature reduction, technology, integration, and so on. And I'll try to explain what some of these mean as we go along. In other words, these things were able to lift themselves up off the ground with no apparent, there was no propellers, there was no chopper blades, there was no jet engines or nothing. They just simply were here and they lifted themselves up. One of the guys who was operating the radar on one of these carrier groups where they saw these UFOs, he said they saw a whole fleet of them. Their radar went from 80,000 feet down to sea level, and this guy that was operating the radar said that they went from 80,000 feet down to sea level in less than a second. You can't fall that fast, but that's how fast they were going. Propulsion. There was no means of propulsion that they could detect. There was, no, uh, there was no air coming out the back of it, like from a propeller or a jet engine or anything like that. There was, just seemed to be no way that these things were able to fly. The objects were traveling at hypersonic speeds, uh, instantaneous acceleration. It means that they were here in one second and they were over here in another second. They did not accelerate to get to that point. They did not decelerate to stop. The objects were performing maneuvers not possible by our current physics standards. The objects were traveling through air, water, and space with no resistance. Um, they, somebody did a close-up of the, uh, I think it's the Tic Tac UFO and, or the Go Fast one, and they noticed that for a while it's traveling over the surface of the water and then they can tell that it's traveling under the surface of the water at the exact same speed. It didn't cause any waves. It didn't cause any splash. It wasn't slowed down by the water. And then it came out of the water without making a splash, without making any movement in the water at exactly the same speed. This defies the laws of physics. It can't be done by our current understanding of physics. 
um, objects traveling through air, water, and space with no resistance. Objects that have little or no visible signature, no contrail, no plume, no heat signature from a jet engine, nothing. The objects uh, were traveling with positive lift, gravity having no effect on them whatsoever. Uh, think of it like this. Think of it if you have, uh, if this is your airplane and you're flying your airplane and you want to you turn right 90 degrees in an airplane or a jet or a helicopter or a submarine or a boat or a car, you have to bank and turn it like this and turn it like that because of the laws of physics. What would happen if you were in a, a flying vessel and wanted to turn right and then instantly turned right? What would happen? It'd kill you. It'd kill you. It would destroy the plane. It would kill everybody in the plane. But these things were able to instantly turn from one space to another space, bounce down to another space, bounce up here to another space without any deceleration, without any banking movements whatsoever. They were defying the laws of physics. There is a reason for that. They do not operate in our physical universe. Let me move to this here. Luis Elizondo said in 2009, specific elements in the Department of, Descent, Department of Defense resist the effort based on philosophical differences. However, the fact that the phenomenon is real is not denied. In other words, all of the Department of Defense, they all agree on one thing, that there is an issue of unidentified or unknown aerial objects flying through the airspace in the United States of America and other places, it's real, and you have groups and factions in the Pentagon that argue about what they are and whether they, you have some that believe that they're for the good for mankind and we want them and we want their technology, and you have others who are, seem to be of, a, I guess, a Christian background that believe pretty much what I believe. That these are not just alien or weird types of humans living on another planet that have been around for millions of years longer than we have, that, um, um, that have the same biology as we do, they just have a little bit better technology, that I believe that these entities belong to a higher dimension than you and I. Essentially, we're dealing with gods. Now, I have three pictures up here. Um, I'm not here talking about Santa Claus. Santa Claus does not exist. Everybody agree Santa Claus does not exist? Okay, very good. Easter Bunny. Who believes that the Easter Bunny is real? That he comes and leaves colored eggs in your yard and for your kids to find? No. How about the Tooth Fairy? The Tooth Fairy only exists when you remember to take the tooth out from underneath the pillow of your kid or your grandkid. But we're not talking about Santa Claus. We're not talking about 
bunnies, Easter bunnies. We're not talking about tooth fairies. We're not talking about anything like that. None of those things exist, and everybody agrees with that, except for like eight-year-olds and so on. But we are talking about something that for some reason, most people want to believe that they never existed, that they don't exist, that they can exist, and that people are making this up. However, ever since man invented the camera, he's been not only seeing these objects in the sky, but he's been photographing these objects in the sky. This is some of the earliest photos. These are things that I saw in the UFO books that I was checking out of my school library when I was in middle school, junior high school, high school, and so on, even into college. And I still look for new books every now and then and read them because I want to know what people are saying. I want to know what people are thinking. And lo and behold, some of the thoughts of some of the people who have researched UFOs all their lives, they're coming to nearly the same conclusion as what God has led me in his word. Uh, and again, these are all, ab these are photographs. These are not, uh, what am I trying to think of? Photoshop wasn't invented then. Computers weren't even invented then. But these objects have been filmed the photographs have been analyzed. They are real. So now you're looking at evidence. I went around showing everybody a, a picture that I have on my phone that a pastor sent to me of a real UFO over the mountains of Colorado. You could clearly see the lights around it, and it is massive. And if you want to, when I'm done talking tonight, I'll show you the photograph. I'll try to put it on the program for tomorrow night. But we're talking about real objects in the sky. We're not talking about make-believe. So when we look at things like that, we have to say, that's something. But what is it? Those are the three objects I was talking about earlier. The Go Fast, the Gimple, and the, uh, the Tic Tac UFO. Our best fighter pilots saw them, engaged them, videoed them, used every detection means that they had on their $50 million plane that they're flying around. And if our planes are defective and they spotted something or filmed something that wasn't actually there or misidentified, then we have a serious problem. We have planes flying out there that are supposed to defend our nation that are seeing boogeymen flying around in the sky, things that are not real. And if we ever shoot at one and it's not really there, or maybe it's a Russian fighter or a Chinese fighter or something from North Korea, we're going to be in real trouble. Uh, two of the men that you see here, the one looking at the camera is a man by the name of David Grush. David Grush is, uh, or was, in uh, the Air Force's intelligence Corps. He had a security clearance uh, that most people in this country never even know about, much less attain to one. David Grush and others will tell you that there is no bigger secret in this country than UFOs.
UFOs or UAPs or whatever you want to call them, are of a higher clearance level than even those who know our nuclear secrets, who know where our warheads are, who know the codes for them, who know how to send them off, who know where they're going, who know everything there is to know about our nuclear program. This is of a higher level than that is. David Grush was called before Congress. Congress now for the first time ever is finally getting involved in the UFO phenomenon. Now, if the UFOs, UFPs, if they don't exist, if there's nothing to it, if people are just seeing flies in the air or large groups of birds huddled together or whatever, if these things don't exist, then our Congress is wasting a ton of time a ton of resources and a ton of our money, which is nothing for Congress to do. But they're treating this subject now for the first time in American history as a very serious subject. Most people who fly uh, for our country, whether they're in the Navy, whether they're in the Air Force or the Army or whatever it is, most people who fly um, military planes in our country who have seen UFOs, they have been told all their career, you don't report it. You don't tell anybody, you didn't see anything, and you certainly don't try to make a big deal about it because you will be warned the first time, you'll have a stripe taken off you the second time, you'll lose your pension. And in some cases, people have been threatened, not only with their lives, but their family lives as well. That's because this secret is such a high-level secret that there are factions working beyond our government, beyond our Constitution, beyond the laws, beyond congressional oversight. There are factions working in super-secret situations that they don't answer to anybody. And it's all because of this secret. Well, David Grush... He still has his security clearance. He has not violated his security oath. But he's testified before Congress and given straight answers on what he knows. And at some point, um, let me see if I can explain this. Does anybody know what a skiff is? A skiff is a room, you may have seen it in, in movies where you'll have um, all these guys in military uniforms, maybe a couple of congressmen, maybe some guys from the CIA, they'll walk up a set of steps into this glass room and they'll sit down and all of a sudden somebody will flip a switch and the whole thing turns gray. And there are no electronics allowed in there, there's no recording devices allowed in there, there's no cell phones, there's no microphones, there's nothing in there. It's a place where people can talk in a super secret location to where nothing of what they said can ever leave the room in which they said it in. Congress is the part of our government that has oversight over everything that goes on in this country. When this particular committee of Congress wanted to meet with David Grush in a skiff room, they were denied access. 
they were told you can't have the room we're not giving it to you and there was at least a dozen times where David Grush told the members of the congressional committee AOC was even one of them and she believes that there's something going on one of our congressmen from Missouri was also in that group and he told them several times if we can get into a skiff I will be able to tell you more about what you're asking me but I cannot answer the questions now because we're on camera but if you can get me into a skiff I'll tell you everything they need to know they were consistently denied and I think that's probably against the law to deny Congress access to a secret room but they could not get into it they wouldn't give it to them sitting next to him uh, closer to the camera is a man by the name of David Fravor. David Fravor is the guy who, uh, I think he is the one who made contact with the Tic Tac UFO. I think that's the one on the bottom. David, uh, David Fravor saw it with his eyes, saw it with his instruments, engaged with it, saw what it was able to do, saw how it was able to fly, testified before Congress if you lie to Congress it's a felony you will go to prison for lying to Congress but he testified before Congress that what he saw there is not a chance in the world that it could be made on this planet the metallurgy alone is not possible the physics of what it was doing is not possible so he says I don't know where they're from I do believe he said I do believe there's life on other planets and he said, I don't know what it was. I just know what it wasn't. It wasn't anything from here. And so he's testified before Congress. This was broadcast nationally. I watched the whole thing uh, on YouTube. And uh, these guys, the bravery that it takes for these guys to come out and start telling these stories. But basically, 2023, this year, is the first year ever that the United States Congress, the United States government, por portions of the United States military are finally taking this issue seriously. So, um, I go from place to place and when I talk about this, uh, I, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little straightforward about it. If you don't believe in UFOs, if you don't believe they exist, if you don't believe anything about them, too bad they're real there's no denying it again we're not talking about whether Santa Claus exists we're not talking about Easter Bunny we're not talking about the Tooth Fairy we're talking about something that millions of people around the world have seen and we're talking about things that I would say I would say probably thousands of people every single week are seeing these things and they're seeing them more and more and more. And that's going to continue that way. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you brought a Bible, I'm going to begin to show you from the scriptures. I know I've taken uh, about 40 minutes of your time explaining where we are on this subject. Now I'm going to try to explain to you from the Bible what God says about it, what God teaches about it. Again, if they're real, and I've tried to lay out the best 
non-religious argument that I can to explain to you that they're real. So if they're real, they were created by God. Everything was created by God. We don't, we don't live on an earth where God just created this solar system and the rest of it uh, came about through evolution. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God made the heaven and the earth. Everything that you see in the night sky, everything that the Hubble telescope sees, everything that the James Webb telescope sees, and they're seeing things way farther than anybody else has ever seen before. I believe in the God that made all of that, and that fascinates me. That makes me giddy almost. When I look at the stars at night, and I see the beauty of it. I look at those pictures that were being sent from, like I say, the Hubble telescope and the Webb telescope, and I'm seeing these amazing, beautiful galaxies and stars in the sky, hundreds of billions of light years away. And I'm just fascinated by that. I think, you know what? I know the God who made those. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, let's start, it was verse, what verse are we starting on there? I can't see the screen too good. Verse 39. Paul said, All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. Now in verse 40, here's what he says. There are also celestial bodies. Celestial means, it's where we get the word ceiling. Celestial means this outer space, the firmament of the heaven. There are celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. Terrestrial means terra. Terra is of this earth. So he says there's bodies up there in the sky. There are bodies down here on the earth. Now think about it. Uh, do you believe in angels? Does everybody here believe in angels? I believe in angels, okay? I believe there are good angels. And I believe there are bad angels. The Bible calls them different names. Evil angels. Gods with a little g. He calls them um, devils. Calls them uh, unclean spirits. Um, evil spirits. Seducing spirits. Calls them by all of these uh, malicious names. They're not good entities. And when we were looking in Ephesians chapter 6, that's what we were looking at. All of the evil angels, all the devils, all the, the devils that possess people, or if you want to call them demons, call them demons. But we're dealing with the same thing. They are evil. They are malevolent. They do very horrible things. I believe that uh, we've, we've been coming to this area uh, in Indiana for, I think, about five or six years now. And we've been following the story of Libby and Abby. And I believe the guy, if they, if they got the right guy, if he's guilty, I believe the guy that killed those two girls had a devil in him around him, on him, with him. And there was a devil there 
there. I've been to that spot where those two girls were found. I've been there. And I believe that there was an evil presence that was just pushing this guy to do what he did. Sometimes the way people act doesn't make sense how somebody could be so bad and so wicked. But just remember, there are evil devils that do horrible things and cause people to do horrible things. So he said in verse 40 again, there are celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one. The glory of the terrestrial is another. And so he says there's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. What does the Bible say about stars, what they are? I believe the Bible teaches us that stars are those spirits, those gods, those angels. You have good ones and you have bad ones. All right. Uh, take your Bible, turn to Ezekiel 1. And we're going to focus on this tonight. And then uh, we'll bring in some more information tomorrow night. But turn your Bible, if you have one, to Ezekiel chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to put a couple of verses up on the screen for you. And then we're going to look at Ezekiel 1. We're going to look at it item by item. Um, one of the first books I read when I was in, um, when I was, I think it was in middle school, was a book by Eric Von Daniken and, uh, called The Chariots of the Gods. And Eric Von Daniken, uh, I think he's Swedish or from Denmark or something like that, but one of the Nordic nations, Scandinavian nations. And he was a Catholic. He went to Catholic school. And he was being taught Ezekiel 1, how that it represented a chariot that God rode on. And Eric Von Daniken said, I, I believed in God, but he said, what I'm reading from the Bible in Ezekiel 1 is telling me that God has to ride around in a chariot. And he said, I'm thinking, if he's God, he doesn't need a chariot. But that's true. God doesn't need a chariot. And it's also true that God doesn't need me in this world to try to tell everybody about God, about Jesus, about the Bible. But I'm glad that he uses people like me and people like you and others to try to teach people about God, the Jesus, and Bible, and salvation, and so on. So Psalms 104 verse 3 says... Who layeth the beams of, of his chambers in the waters, who maketh, and they're talking about God here, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind. So in Psalm 104, it's telling us that God rides a chariot and uses a chariot to move around. Then... Psalm 68, verse 17. Look at that, and if you have a Bible, I'd like for you to underline that passage in your Bible. Psalm 68, verse 17. 
This is very important in understanding exactly what these UFOs are, what the quote-unquote aliens are, where they came from, and then what is their agenda. In Psalm 68, I'm going to read some verses before that and after that so that we get the whole context of it. So I'm going to pick it up in verse 14. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow and Solomon. Verse 15, the hill of God is as the hill of Bashan, and high hill as the hill of Bashan. Let me ask this question. For those who would say, why does God need a chariot? I would say, why does God need a city to dwell in? But has not God chosen a city to dwell in? And that city is what? Jerusalem, the city of peace. God has a city. Does God need a house or a temple to dwell in? No, he's God. And he says in the Psalms, the heavens cannot even contain God. He's that huge. And yet, God chooses to dwell in a building called a temple. And according to 1 Corinthians, what Paul wrote to us was that what is that temple that God dwells in? Our bodies. God chooses to dwell in his people. I like that. I'm glad that even though God doesn't need a house to dwell in, he's chosen a house to dwell in. And it's me. And I like him living there. Amen? I don't make God pay any rent. All right. Now, verse 16 of Psalm 68. Why leap ye, ye high hills? This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in. Again, now we have a hill that God dwells in. Does God need a hill to dwell in? No, but he chooses to dwell in that hill. And it's his high and holy hill. Um, the hill of God is the hill of Bashan, and high hill is the hill of Bashan. Why you leap ye, ye high hills? This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. Now verse 17 is, is it right here. Here it is. The chariots of God are 20,000. That's a lot of chariots. Solomon didn't have that many. Jay Leno doesn't have that many. People, that, I don't know of anybody that has that many cars. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. Again, here we have a mountain. And we call it, the Bible calls it the mountain of God. And it's Mount Sinai. Does God need a mountain to dwell in? No. But he chooses to have a mountain to dwell in. He chooses to have a city to dwell in. He chooses to have a people to dwell in. And God chooses to have not just one chariot, not just 20,000 chariots, but thousands more 
of chariots, and these chariots are angels. It doesn't say that the chariots are made by angels. It doesn't say that the chariots are pushed by angels. It says that the chariots are the angels. So think about what that means. It means that the wheels, it means that the chariot body itself, it means that the horses that pull it, all of them are of the angelic realm. They're part of the species of the terrestrial, or excuse me, celestial beings, the beings that live up in heaven that have a different body than we do. They're part of the celestial beings called, we would call them angels. God calls them angels here in verse 17, and that they are his chariots. Now, um, let's look through history for a minute. All throughout history, in different cultures, different civilizations, at different times uh, in world history, most civilizations had this idea that the sun, and they all believed the sun was a god, and that the sun was pulled across the sky by Helios. horses. Helios is where we get the word like helium from. This is and Helios god. means the sun. And so this image here shows the sun, Helios, being pulled across the sky in a chariot pulled by horses. Here we have Apollos. Apollos also was the sun god. He was a messenger god. He was a god of prophecy. And so, and, and by the way, the Apollo program was named after Apollos. And Apollos was the sun god. He was pulled across the sky by horses in a chariot, and that's what they believed about uh, the solar deity was that he was pulled across the sky in a chariot. Zeus, Zeus, the Greek uh, god, the highest Greek god, Zeus that lived on a mountain, Mount Olympus, Zeus that was called the god of all gods. Zeus was riding in a chariot, pulled by fiery horses, pulled by angelic Horses or horses of a higher order than just the horses down here. But they all believed the same thing. The Indian people had a sun god, Surya, I believe is who it is, and he was pulled again across the sky every day by these fiery horses in this fiery chariot. Now, what this means is, is that all these civilizations, all these groups, they have a, they have a touch or a piece of the truth. But they don't have the whole truth. The whole truth is found for us in God's Word, the Holy Bible. So in 2 Kings chapter 2, it came to pass this. Oh, I like this one. This is the story of Elijah. And Elijah was one of the people in the Bible that went from earth to heaven without dying. Now, if you were to ask me, given a choice, would I rather die and go to heaven or live and go to heaven? I would rather live and go to heaven. Okay? That, that would be my choice. 
Whatever God wants to do with me is fine. But God's asking me, God, I'll say, God, I'll take the chariot right up into heaven. So this is Elijah. And Elijah basically, I think, is a prototype, sort of a, 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 a shadow, a foreshadowing of the rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15. It came to pass as they still went on and uh, they talked. And he's talking to Elisha. And behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. Now, this is not fire like we have here on earth. This is of the, an angelic realm of fire. It's higher than us. There appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah, he got in the fiery chariot, pulled by fiery horses, and went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And it was a chariot, an angelic chariot that took Elijah up into heaven. We have the story here of a man by the name of Gehazi. He is Elisha's servant. And there is uh, the, the, the evil armies have them surrounded. Oh, they got chariots all over the place. And, and Gehazi's losing his mind. Uh, he, needs, uh, he needs something to calm him down a little bit because he sees all the enemies surrounding them with chariots. And he sees Elisha just uh, he's sitting there reading the Bible, you know, and everything's fine. He says, why aren't you freaking out? We're all going to kill. And he said, no, we're not going to get killed. There's be more for us than there are for them. And he said, ah, there is not. And he said, yeah, there is. God opened his eyes. The Bible says, and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. Now, this is important to remember. The enemy has chariots. Think about what that means. The devil has chariots. And what do you think those chariots are? Let me give you a little word knowledge here. It's called etymology. I love etymology. Chariot is where we get the word carriage. So a horse-drawn carriage is the same as a chariot. The word carriage and chariot is where we get the word carry. So someone is carried in a horse-drawn carriage or a chariot. And all of these words give us the word that we're used to, car. A car is a carriage, it's a carrier, it's a chariot. And it's even drawn by horses. Horsepower. What's the horsepower of the chariot that you drive? Okay, I don't know what ours is, but anyway. That's where that word comes from. A car is a carriage it carries, it's a chariot. So, the enemy has chariots. They have vehicles that move them from place to place. So do we. So his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. 
And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Amen. That means that there really are, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is more angels on our side than there are on the devil's side. Amen? All right, now, look at this, Zechariah. Here's another one. What I'm doing for you is I'm laying out this biblical principle that there are and there have been, is, and will be in the angelic realm, angelic chariots. And these chariots, this is where it gets really interesting. The chariots themselves are living. They're alive. Zechariah chapter 6 and I turned and lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, there came four chariots out from between two mountains. And the mountains were mountains of brass, and the first chariot were red horses, and in the second chariot, black horses, and in the third chariot, white horses, and in the fourth chariot, grizzled and bay horses. Then I answered and said, and by the way, if this looks familiar to you, it's in Revelation chapter 6, when Jesus is opening the seals of the book that's been given to him, what does he see? A red horse, a white horse, a black horse, and a pale horse. And each one of them have a rider. And the Bible then is explaining to you back in Zechariah exactly what these horses and these riders are. They are the four chariots from between the two mountains in heaven. And so... Uh, in verse 4, then I answered and said unto the angel that talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And the angel answered and said unto me, these are the four spirits of the heavens, which go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth. Now, uh, let's go to Ezekiel. Is that where we are here? All right, Ezekiel chapter 1. And let me, let me help you with something. Most people, when you ask them what a, uh, what a spirit is, what does a spirit look like, they may say something like, oh, a spirit is like a, it's like a, 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 a mist or a, a shapeless form of, of air or fog or something like that. Or, or Casper. Who remembers Casper the friendly ghost? Okay. Casper could go through walls and, you know, things like that. And, and he was, it was like you couldn't touch him and you could just barely see him. And people would say that chariots don't have bodies. But we just saw back in 1 Corinthians 15 that spirits have bodies. They're of a higher form than ours, but they are bodies 
nonetheless. Um, hang on a second. When the two angels came with the Lord to Abraham, what did those two angels look like? Humans, men. Uh, Abraham killed a calf, fed it to him. They ate. They had their feet washed. They sat down. They talked with Abraham. The Bible described them as men in Genesis 18. And then in Genesis 19, described them as angels, two angels. When they get to Sodom, they look like men. They, again, they go to, Abraham, or they go to Lot's house. Lot feeds them. Washes their feet, treats them well. They're going to sleep out on the street. Lot said, no, you don't want to do that. And the men of Sodom came and was beaten on Lot's door. And they said, send those two men out. We want to know them. We know what that means. So they had the bodies of men. Um, when Gabriel appeared to Elizabeth to tell her she was going to give birth to John the Baptist, he looked like a man. When he appeared to the Virgin Mary, he looked like a man. The Bible tells us to be careful to entertain strangers because we might be entertaining angels unaware. Now, I'm really sure that if an angel shows up and I can put my hand through him, then I know it's an angel. We've actually, at our church, I won't tell the story, but I think we entertained an angel one time. I think we did. I think it was pretty cool, too. But he looked just like a guy on a long journey is what he did. And so the idea that spirits are shapeless mists of gas or something like that, it doesn't really match what the Bible says. Now, let's look in Ezekiel, and we'll get this down and... Uh, have something to think about tonight, and then we'll come back tomorrow night. In Ezekiel chapter 1, uh, let's see here, let's pick it up in verse 4. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire... Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. This was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. And everyone had four faces and everyone had four wings. And their feet were straight feet and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides and they had four and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went every one straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face uh, on the right side. They four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. Let's see here. How far does that go down? Verse 14. Uh, in verse... 11, thus there were their faces and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another and they covered their bodies and two covered their bodies. And they went everyone straight forward, whether the spirit, follow this now, whether the spirit was to go, they went 
and they turned not when they went. Now, understand, this is God's chariot. This is Ezekiel getting to see God's chariot. And he's describing it by telling you that it is made of living creatures. And that these living creatures have a common spirit between them. And that spirit then tells them which way to go. If the spirit wants to go forward, they go forward. The spirit wants to go to the left, they go to the left. If it wants to go to the right, they go to the right. It's the spirit that is compelling them to go. Just like uh, if someone were controlling horses on a horse-drawn uh, cart or a buggy or whatever, that driver knows how to get those horses to turn left, to turn right, to stop, to go fast. He knows how to do it. It's, it's his mind, his decision, and the way that he moves the stirrups of that determines what direction those horses are going to go into. Here, we have almost the same thing. We have a spirit amongst all these four angels, and they're all in agreement. If they need to go right, they go right. If they need to go left, they go left. If they need to go forward, they go forward. And so verse 12, and they went everyone straight forward, whether the spirit was to go, they went, and they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. Think, think about what that would look like if we were to see that in the sky. Burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps. How is it, or how come, that these UFOs keep appearing in the sky and it's like they don't want to be caught and yet they're always flashing lights? Or, in some cases, like the one my mom saw, it was nothing but a big disk of light hovering above this lake. I mean, it was made to be seen. Think about that. They want to be seen. They just don't want to be caught. Um, I said this earlier, and I'm going to say it again. In the halls of the Pentagon and in places that you and I will never get to see, the UFO subject is the biggest secret that there is in this country. There are people who govern that secret that would rather give you the nuclear codes than they would to share what they know about UFOs. And I can also tell you that this UFO subject is the biggest secret that there is in all the evil realms that there are. Remember the devil. He is more subtle than any creature. He is wily, which means that he likes to play tricks on people and likes to get them thinking lies and things that aren't true. And I believe that the devil's biggest secret has everything to do 
with what these UFOs are here to do. Uh, let's move on. In verse 15, now I beheld as the living creatures behold, watch this now, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. I mean, after all, if it's going to be a chariot, it's got to have wheels. So God has a four-wheel drive chariot. Never gets stuck in the snow. The appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of beryl. And they four had one likeness, and, as, and their appearance and their work was like, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And when they went, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. As for their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful, and their rings were full of eyes round about them four. Meaning that these wheels and this chariot could see everything that it needed to see. We have two eyes and we can see quite a bit. They have an unknown number of eyes on these wheels. They can literally see everything that needs to be seen. Verse 19, when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whithersoever the spirit was to go, they went. Whither there was their spirit to go, and the wheels were lifted up over against them. For the spirit, here it is, the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. So it, it tells us here that this chariot could be right here, and then it could be over there by that door, in a matter of just a thought. That's how quick it can go. And then it can come back just that quickly. And that wherever the angels and the spirit of these angels want to go, the wheels go with them because here it is now, this is important. The spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Meaning, that the wheels had life. Now, this is something that we, we just don't think about. It would be like me saying, hey, that chair right there is alive. I mean, I was talking to it before you guys came in. It's alive. That chair got up and moved across the floor a while ago. You should have seen it. And you guys would be all, okay, we came to the wrong place. Let's go. But what if, what if we lived in a world where computers were so advanced in their ability to think that they became self-aware? Artificial intelligence. Have you heard of that? Where we are, we are just days away, weeks away, months away, years away from a computer system becoming alive, self-aware, independent of any body moving a mouse or typing commands on a keyboard. This living artificial intelligence 
can decide whether or not it wants to be shut off or not. And that's exactly where we're going with artificial intelligence. We are, we are literally living in the age where non-living things are going to become alive. And that's biblical. In Revelation chapter 13, the false prophet has the ability to make the image of the beast both speak and cause that all who would not worship the image be killed. Meaning that this artificial life form, this image of the beast, not only speaks independently, but it has a will. And if you don't bow to it and worship it, then it will want to kill you. Right now, computers don't do that, but we're close to that. We're also close to having the living cars. The cars that drive themselves, the cars that when you get in it, the car says, where would you like to go? I'd like to go to Walmart. Okay, fasten your seatbelt. We're going to Walmart. And if the car doesn't want to go to Walmart, the car won't go to Walmart because it has its own will. And we're close to that too. My insurance man a few years ago told me this. He said he attended a, a seminar of insurance agents for this particular company and the topic they were talking about was not if but when cars become self-aware and self-reliant in other words the car becomes a living thing so when the car then has an accident who's paying for the accident damage i'm not paying for it because i wasn't the driver I just got in the car. I owned the car. I got in the car, but I didn't drive the car. The car drove itself. And if the car drives itself, then for the first time in history, somebody's going to sue a car. A non, what we think of as a non-living object will become living. That's already told to us there in Ezekiel chapter 1 because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. That makes them alive now because, I mean, God's spirit in us makes us alive. So the spirit of these living creatures being in those wheels makes them alive. And so from what stories we find out from people who say that they have seen crashed UFOs who have knowledge of how they're being reversed engineered, people like Bob Lazar and others who say that practically every one of these, whoever is in the ship, they put their hands on some form of console and that automatically connects them with the UFO, the craft, the saucer, or whatever it is, and that wherever the person thinks to go, it takes them there. They don't have to fly it. They don't have to maneuver it. They don't have to watch out for trees or birds. It just goes by itself because that's where they want it to go. 
And again, I know that sounds far-fetched, but you just read it in Ezekiel 1, and you can read it in Revelation 13, how that the false prophet makes an image of the beast who has the ability to speak on its own and cause people to be killed that won't worship him. 